uh, it's constantly evolving throughout my career has been evolving. And I think uh, in the last 15 months or so since we've been talking about the pandemic, I think the acceleration of that evolution uh, is, is tangible for all of us in the field. And I think um, really, I mean, what we mean by talent is changing. So what works within organizations, what drives uh, productivity and positivity, what gets results uh, has changed um, over that time period. Um, so if you're a leader, how do you motivate? How do you coordinate? How do you collaborate uh, through the sort of mediums that we're talking to each other now uh, is slightly different, uh, particularly over time. I think we can all do it for a couple of weeks or a couple of months, but I think you know we're, we're possibly talking about a world uh, this year and next year where it's been a couple of years. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. One of the greatest challenges for organizations these days, pre-pandemic and probably if we continue to be post-pandemic, is identifying that top talent that they want to bring to their organization. That's been, that's been a challenge that has been around for a long time, but in a candidate-driven market, it becomes, of course, much more of a challenge for organizations to deal with. And we are going to have an amazing conversation today around identifying top, top talent, talent management, some talent trends with David Jones, the CEO of the Talent Enterprise. David has been working for more than 30 years in the space of HR, in consulting, in industry leadership, uh, especially in the space of talent management, which is exactly what we're going to be talking about. David, welcome to the show. How are you? Very good. Thank you, Enrique. Yes, looking forward to the discussion. Absolutely. Well, let's, let's just dive right into this conversation by asking you, how, how do we identify top talent? What, what, what is the process, especially now in a world where companies are tapping into talent from regions in which they didn't, uh, you know, traditionally uh, look for candidates because now everything is remote and whatnot. So how do yeah. we do that? Yeah, well, I think uh, it's constantly evolving throughout my career has been evolving. And I think uh, in the last 15 months or so since we've been talking about the pandemic, I think the acceleration of that evolution uh, is, is tangible for all of us in the field. And I think um, really, I mean, what we mean by talent is changing. So what works within organizations, what drives uh, productivity and positivity, what gets results uh, has changed um, over that time period. Um, so if you're a leader, how do you motivate? How do you coordinate? How do you collaborate uh, through the sort of mediums that we're talking to each other now uh, is slightly different, uh, particularly over time. I think we can all do it for a couple of weeks or a couple of months, but I think you know we're, we're possibly talking about a world uh, this year and next year where it's been a couple of years. Um, and in some cases, it may never go back to what we consider to be normal, yeah. what we used to consider to be normal. So uh, the sort of leadership traits, the sort of um, uh, technical skills that we need um, in our chosen careers are slightly different to how they were. Uh, I think also uh, human beings are not uh, static. I think uh, if you look, um, the sort of thing that we do at the Talent Enterprise is, is mostly around assessments. If you look at a lot of... Um, the foundation uh, research uh, and some of the still existing tools that are used in psychometrics, et cetera, 
Uh, a lot of that work was done in some cases in the 19th century, uh, in the 20th century, and we're already uh, into the sort of middle period of the 21st century. And if you think about even your own relatives, right? Uh, are you really um, the same as your great grandparents in terms of what works for career success, what works in terms of uh, inspiring other people around you? Well, probably not. Um, and so um, if the research data on which those tools were built um, is depending on that sort of definition, um, then surely we have to question that. And I think for younger people uh, or for faster growing, more dynamic parts of the world or new industries, um, then I think um, the, the, um, the sort of standard best practice way of doing things definitely um, can benefit from being questioned. Uh, and I think what we want to do a lot of and what we've done a lot in the talent enterprise over the last 10 years is really try to take a, a fresh look uh, start with a blank sheet of paper and say, okay, in this part of the world or with this new career or this new industry which is developing, uh, how can we gather some new data to give us different insights in terms of what really works? And that's a great segue into, into my next question, uh, which is uh, in a world where things are changing so extremely fast, and when we say things are changing extremely fast, we are also referring to jobs, skills, capabilities, what a company is actually doing. How do you even make sense of a talent management strategy these days? How, how can you even, uh, you know, try to structure, architect, uh, you know, design a talent management strategy when everything around you may shatter whatever you design in the next six, eight, 10 months? Imagine somebody having done a talent management strategy in February of 2020, you know, mm. a couple of weeks mm. later, it would have been like, yeah. okay, to the trash, yeah. we're gonna start over, yeah. right? How do we yeah. do that? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, this is one thing which I think is a constant, right? If you look at the definition of strategy and it's sort of military backgrounds, then it's always about trying to get an advantage, right? And in, in uh, organizational terms, it's about how can you uh, and your employer brand and the attractiveness of your organization uh, getting an get an advantage so that really top talent is going to say, okay, I'm having lots of parallel discussions, uh, or I'm always potentially open for um, being uh, attracted away from my current job. Uh, how can you uh, be offering something which is going to uh, win uh, against your co competition in the labour market? And I think um, a way that you can differentiate yourself is by giving somebody uh, more insights about themselves. Um, so the feedback that's available um, to candidates, particularly for young people, we find in the graduate market in particular, um, this is very, very important. Uh, how can you help to build people's sense of self-awareness? How can you build their well-being? How can you help them to make better decisions about their career in the long term, even if incrementally um, they're making a decision to join you if it's a, a sort of uh, traditional formal full-time type of role or if it's a sort of gig or consulting type of uh, approach you know what benefits can they get and that should start from the the talent acquisition piece and often that comes in in our way uh, of working in terms of making sure there's a transparent and an immediate feedback uh, from the talk the sort of uh, assessments uh, that we're undertaking uh, I think um, also we're finding that uh, people want to know uh, not just what their strengths and areas for development are, but practical, direct 
suggestions about how they can develop those skills. Um, so they want to be uh, uh, very clear, very simple. Uh, they don't want to take a sort of statistics 101 test and sort of have a sort of, you know, okay, this is what your psychometrics mean. And, uh, you know, please sit on the couch and I'll explain it to you. They want to know in very practical terms where they are right now, how can they make a move in the right direction in terms of their own uh, ownership of their personal development and their professional development going forward. Absolutely. And, and actually before, before uh, you, you said something that was really interesting, which is, you know, with every, uh, with every case, we just begin with a blank sheet of paper and, and we start the process, right? And I love that uh, because the easiest thing to do is just, is just copy and paste what you were doing in the past. But what you mm. were doing in the past was probably a copy and paste of what you were doing before. So sure. today you end up copying and pasting what you were doing, who knows, so many years back, right? And, and you go to job descriptions today, for example, in the case of HR, I'm really curious and I, and I read through some of job, job posts and I'm thinking these people are looking for somebody to be successful in 1992 and not in yeah. the year 2021. I mean, the job script, they did not start with a blank sheet of paper. They just copied and pasted what they had before. Yeah. Therefore, yeah. they will not be attracting uh, perhaps the, the, the talent they truly need to succeed in this new reality of work, but somebody who was designed or a job description that was designed for another time. So, you know, yeah. what, a, what a pity yeah, that somebody would, you know, not, not no, start from right. scratch. Yeah. No, I mean, even if, if you think about um, what, what even, you know, we might consider to be the most conservative types of organizations that are out there, right? That, um, you know, might have been, I think, you know, when I started my career, my mum wanted me to work for a bank, right? Because she said, that's a, that's a great place to work, right? It's very stable or whatever. Um, um, but if you look at banks, if you look at financial services, if you look at government institutions, even, you might have thought in the past, okay, these are the most traditional, the most conservative types of organizations. They're very stable. They probably would have very rigid structures and very detailed job descriptions. I don't think this is the case, right? Every no, no. single organization uh, is impacted by technological change. Um, in the case of financial services, some of the most far-reaching technological change that we see in any industry right now. Uh, um, most governments, particularly again in, in the so-called developing world, but fast growing um, uh, parts of uh, the world, they are the ones that are pushing the innovation, yeah. the digital mm -hmm. readiness, uh, they're leading in many ways. Um, and, and I think uh, this is changing uh, the recipe for success uh, and therefore the sort of assessments that need to be undertaken uh, to really find that, that, that top talent, mm -hmm. not just for today, but for the future. Yeah, no, abs absolutely. And, and uh, you know, co companies and, and, and sort of industries that were in silos that they may have never thought that you know change was going to happen any 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 you know any any kind of fast for them had to basically scramble a lot of resources last year when covid started yeah. uh you know to remain relevant and financial services definitely was one of them uh yeah. david what what are some of the most uh, significant talent trends that you've seen out there uh in the world these days that companies and particularly HR leaders need to take into account when they are thinking about their talent management and the entire talent management sort of cycle strategy? Yeah, I think that there's probably three things I can think of um, in broad terms that might apply to most people who are people professionals working uh, on these sort of talent challenges and opportunities. I think one is, uh, I don't think 
in, in my experience or in my point of view, I don't think the war for talent ever ever finishes, right? I think uh, it was a very famous, I think, McKinsey report about 15 years ago. Um, and you see lots of follow-ups where people say that the war for talent is over. I don't think that's the case. I think actually right now where we are, uh, in many cases for certain professions, for certain industries or for certain geographies, uh, we're seeing labor markets are becoming very tight. Yeah. Uh, and whether it's linked to the pandemic or whether it's linked to the recovery um, associated with that, I think we can see in many industries or for many hot jobs, um, there will be a very uh, a tight labor market and we can see people with those skills, with those attributes, um, being able to command uh, many uh, options for their career and they can have uh, still a very sort of stellar career trajectory going forward. I think the second thing uh, is very much um, the attributes of success are changing, as, as I mentioned earlier. I think um, what our research is, is, is showing, uh, again, all our research is within the last decade, um, is that some of the sort of cliched or well-established um, indications of organizational psychology can really be questioned today. Um, so for instance, very basic things like, you know, you have a dimension where you are either uh, an extrovert or an introvert, um, and you can design assessment tools based around that, and you can uh, orientate jobs and professions around that assumption. Uh, along with reward, right? We see that you know uh, people's motivation, whether it's intrinsically motivated or extrinsically motivated, this sort of um, uh, scale is is collapsing towards the mean uh, from our data. So we find now, particularly amongst young people, um, that people are what we call uh, ambiverts uh, and they have an ambitrinsic approach to motivation. So again, if you want to attract uh, that top talent you have to reward them, you have to recognize them, um, but you also have to give them a sense of meaning and purpose uh, associated with their own values um, uh, to, to, to get the best out of them. Uh, I think technology, whether it's social media, whether it's these frames that we're talking to each other in right now and in increasingly or almost exclusively, uh, mean that many of us uh, can be uh, extroverts within this sort of parameter, um, but in the traditional sense of extroversion, uh, and for roles associated with that in business development, customer service, um, many other sort of uh, human to human uh, types of roles, then this, this is changing, right? We, yeah. we have people who are uh, extroverted online or extroverted with the support of technology, but they could behave very differently in the same day um, with their families or with their friends, or if they do get the opportunity to collaborate face-to-face. Uh, -face. And then I think um, the third area is, is really around diversity, right? I think um, we uh, have relied too much on uh, a research base and a, and a body of knowledge in the past, which is very Western in its orientation. Yeah. Um, the majority of that type of uh, academic psychological research has been done uh, in the US, in Australia, in the UK, in Europe. Uh, and I think that's not where the growth is right now. Uh, that's not where the demographic growth is. That's not where the economic growth is. Uh, and we need to make sure that the tools that were developed from that uh, foundation of research some of them are still very relevant, but some of them may not be appropriate in every case. And we need to make sure that if we're doing more work and we're doing more business and we have more customers in Africa or in Latin America or in 
many parts of Asia, then we have to have tools that can identify talent from those pools. Yeah. So the diversity of our organizations today and tomorrow are reflecting our, our customer and client base. This is, this is fantastic. Um, thank you for sharing that, David. We are, we are getting closer to the end of our podcast. Uh, this is fantastic. I think this is a, a powerful blueprint for uh, for designing from there, you know, growing the buildings from there of your talent management strategy. And um, so these three trends, I'm hoping that everybody in HR and particularly those who are working in the talent management space, um, you know, take into account and keep very close to their to their heart and to their activities. Uh, let me ask you one last question to wrap up our sure. chat, David. Uh, if there was one thing to begin this journey of rethinking your approach to talent management, if there was mm. one thing you, that you would tell, and I'm oversimplifying by the way, but no just, just to begin that journey, right? You tell yes. people, start here. This is the one place where you can begin your journey. What would that place be? So I think if, if you are working in an organization or if you're responsible for talent uh, in an organization that um, is uh, ambitious or has a scale where um, you want to really uh, grow uh, the the uh, the benefits that you're 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 getting from from the talent that you have, um, then you really need to think uh, about data, right? And you really need to think carefully about data, um, because uh, I think data has been described as the oil of the 21st century, right? That it is the most valuable resource that we have available to us. Um, now we can uh, misuse that resource, right? We can uh, continue the biases or the subjectivity that we may have uh, built into our assumptions uh, from the past. Um, so if you have data uh, or if you look around at your talent today and it's mostly male, pale and stale, uh, particularly at the senior levels, then you, you need to uh, rethink your data strategy. Yeah. Because everything you do, the assessments that you use, uh, the criteria that you use for recognizing, rewarding people, uh, the dynamic job descriptions that you have in the future, all of this will be based on data. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and customer success and supplier relationships, everything will come from data. Um, and so you need to make sure that you are collecting valid, um, uh, objective, uh, consistent data that you can use through analytics and into technology and AI and machine learning associated with that, um, that is uh, a really rock solid foundation for everything that you are going to be doing for, for many, many decades going forward. So Absolutely. I think you can question that and you have to um, uh, rigorously question that. Uh, and if you can uh, uh, establish that sort of clean data um, that you can be proud of, then I think this is a great uh, legacy for anybody working in talent today. Absolutely. Well, David, thank you so much for sharing all these thoughts with me and the audience. Uh, great conversation, great, uh, you know, a nutritious food for thought here uh, for all HR and talent management professionals. So thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you, Enrique. Thank I enjoyed you. it. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Hacking HR Podcast. See you all soon. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.